have found favor with God. You will be with child and give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus. He will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High, the Lord God, will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. Mary asked the angel, How will this be since I am a virgin? The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So holy one to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she, who was said to be barren, is in her sixth month, for nothing is impossible with God. I am the Lord's servant. May it be to me as you have said. Then the angel left her. This is how the birth of Jesus Christ came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be with child through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man and did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But he had no union with her until she gave birth to a son. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria, and everyone went to his own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the inn. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. This will be your sign. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to men on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby, who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. On the eighth day, when it was time to circumcise him, he was named Jesus, the name the angel had given him before he had been conceived. 
when the time of their purification according to the law of Moses had been completed, Joseph and Mary took him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord, as it is written in the law of the Lord. Every firstborn male is to be consecrated to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice in keeping with what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of doves or two young pigeons. Now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel and the Holy Spirit was upon him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Christ. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. When the parents brought in the child, Jesus, to do for him what the custom of the law required, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all people, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. The child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him. Then Simeon blessed them, and said to Mary, his mother, This child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel, and to be a sign that will be spoken against, so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed, and a sword will pierce your own soul too. There was also a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher. She was very old. She had lived with her husband seven years after her marriage, and then was a widow until she was 84. She never left the temple, but worshipped night and day, fasting and praying. Coming up to them at that very moment, she gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of King Herod, wise men from the east arrived unexpectedly in Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born King of the Jews? For we saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was deeply disturbed, and all Jerusalem with him. So he assembled all the chief priests and scribes of the people and asked them where the Messiah would be born. They told him, In Bethlehem of Judea, because this is what was written in by the prophet. And you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among these leaders of Judah. Because of you will come to a leader who will shepherd my people, Israel. Then Herod secretly summoned the wise men and asked them the exact time the star appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the child. When you find him, report back to me so that I too can go and worship him. After hearing the king, they went on their way. And there it was, the star that they had seen in the east. It led them until it came and stopped above the place where the child was. And when they saw the star, they were overjoyed beyond measure. Entering the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and falling to their knees, they worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And being warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their own country by another route. After they were gone, an angel of the Lord suddenly appeared to Joseph in a dream, saying, Get up, take the child and his mother, flee to Egypt, and stay there until I tell you. For Herod is about to search for the child to destroy him. So he got up, took the child and his mother during the night, and escaped to Egypt. He stayed there until Herod's death, so that when what was spoken by the Lord through the prophet might be fulfilled, out of Egypt I called my son. Then Herod, when he saw that he had been outwitted by the wise men, flew into a rage. He gave orders to massacre all the male children in and around Bethlehem who were two years old and under, 
in keeping with the time he had learned from the wise men. Then what was spoken through Jeremiah the prophet was fulfilled. A voice was heard in Ramah, weeping and great mourning, Rachel weeping for her children, and she refused to be consoled because they were no more. After Herod died, an angel of the Lord suddenly appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt, saying, Get up, take the child and his mother, and go to the land of Israel, because those who sought the child's life are dead. So he got up, took the child and his mother, and entered the land of Israel. But when he heard that Archelaus was ruling over Judea in place of his father Herod, he was afraid to go there. And being warned in a dream, he withdrew to the district of Galilee. Then he went and settled in a town called Nazareth to fulfill what was spoken through the prophets, that he will be called a Nazarene. That's the Christmas story. Powerful story, isn't it? Today, it seems though, sometimes the Christmas story, the true Christmas story gets overshadowed, doesn't it? The most dominant aspect of our modern Christmas celebration is undoubtedly the giving and receiving of gifts, right? For 2019, industry experts expect the average American to spend $920 per person on holiday gifts reaching a total of more than $1 trillion in holiday spending. In the midst of all this emphasis on gift giving, if we're not careful, it's easy forget, to forget the greatest gift, what Paul calls in 2 Corinthians 9.15, the indescribable gift. Why is it indescribable? Because it is so amazing, so unthinkable, so scandalous that it can, can't really be described in true words. But we must try to describe it, so here's my best attempt to do so. Genesis 1.1 says, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. And we know that God created everything, and part of his creation was to create people. And he said, let us create man in our own image. He said us because he was speaking to the other members of the Trinity, to the Son and the Holy Spirit. And so God did create man in his image. He placed them in a garden in Eden, and it was an amazing place. It was a perfect place. It was perfection. It was beauty. And the only thing that God, the only requirement, one requirement that he placed on man was to not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Every other tree he could eat, there was no rules. He could just basically live and have this amazing, wonderful life. We know that he also gave him a helper, Eve, to be with him. But unfortunately... What did man choose to do? They chose to break the one rule that he'd given them. They chose to eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And the Bible says that when that happened, sin and death entered into the world. And the whole Old Testament kind of chronicles the story of God continuing to reach out to people. God continuing to say, I want you to be my people. I want to have relationship with you. And people kind of doing that for a time and then rejecting God and turning to other things, turning to idols, turning to, you know, seek their, their own desires and to do other things and to basically say, God, I don't really need a relationship with you. I'm going to do things my own way. 
So we see that sin continued to reign over the world. In fact, it says in Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. That's the bad news of the, uh, that we see in the Bible, right? All of us, and we all realize that, all of us have blown it in some way. We've all messed up. We've all sinned. And the bummer about that is that sin separates us from God. It says in Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death. That's what we get for our sin unless it's taken care of. Fortunately, God cared so much about us that he, he made a way for that sin to be taken care of. The rest of that verse says, the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. God made that. He, he gave us that incredible gift. What was that gift? His son. And that's what we're celebrating on Christmas, right? That God sent his son into the world as a little baby. This is the part of the gospel that's unbelievable, indescribable, just almost scandalous that God, the one who created everything, could humble himself and place himself into a, into a baby. That he could become a, a human child and then be raised in this world. And what did he do in his life? Nothing but good. In fact, the Bible says that he's the one person who's never sinned. He lived a flawless life. His life was about teaching people, about doing miracles, about helping people. God did all of this for us. And then how did we repay him? Once again, we turned our back on God and we put him on the cross. And I know sometimes it's easier for us to say, well, if I would have been there, I wouldn't have done that. You know, I would have been... I would have been one of the people standing up for Jesus. But you know what? In a sense, all of us have put Jesus on the cross by our sins. That's why he had to come. That's the gift that God gave us that he planted into this world to save us from our sins. And the Bible now says that because of what Jesus did, because he died on the cross, because he raised to life again, now we can have relationship with God again. God took care of our sins. The, the wrath that we should have had that should have been directed toward us was directed instead toward Jesus on the cross. He took our place. He did that for us because he loves us so much. What an amazing, indescribable gift it is that God has given us. It's kind of summed up in John 3, 16 to 17, isn't it? For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. That's the good news. God, God did not want to condemn us. He didn't send Jesus in the world to say, yeah, this is all the things you're getting wrong. You guys are terrible. You're messed up. And, you know, here's what you deserve. You just deserve death. No, instead, he sent his son in the world to give us the good news that we can turn away from our sin, that we can follow Jesus, and that he is the gift that saves us from our sin. You know, it was almost Christmas, and a man punished his three-year-old daughter for wasting a roll of gold wrapping paper. Money was tight, and he became infuriated when the child tried to decorate a box to put under the tree. Nevertheless, the little girl brought the gift to her father the next morning and said, this is for you, Daddy. He was embarrassed by his earlier overreaction, but his anger flared again when he found that the box was empty. 
he yelled at her, don't you know that when you give someone a present, there's supposed to be something inside of it? The little girl looked at him with tears in her eyes and said, oh, daddy, it's not empty. I blew kisses into the box, all for you, daddy. The father was crushed. He put his arms around the little girl and begged her forgiveness. The father kept that gold box by his bed for years. Whenever he was discouraged, he would take out an imaginary kiss and remember the love of the child who had put it there. You know, God's gift is a lot like that golden gift, that box of kisses. Because the gift is not something we can hold on to or look at. It's, it's kind of, in, in a sense, like that empty box. God gave us this amazing gift. And just like that little girl ultimately was giving her daddy the gift of love, that's what God's gift is to us. It's, it's love wrapped in the shape of his son. That's, that's the amazing, awesome gift that God gave us. You know, God made us for relationship with him. Our lives are truly empty without Jesus. And that emptiness just can't be satisfied or filled with things. Because of that, Christmas gifts, like all the other things in this world, can't truly bring us joy and fulfillment. They're just stuff. And stuff can't fill that God-shaped hole in our lives. God has given us the greatest gift, a golden gift, the gift of his son. And that's what fills that empty place inside of us. You just would bow your heads with me for a minute. I just want to encourage you today that this season is all about celebrating what God has done for you. What God did for you. He gave his own son on the cross. And he's reaching out to each one of us today. And I know that many of us in this place, maybe most of us, have already given our lives to Jesus. We've already said, Jesus, I accept that free gift you've given me. I want to follow you. I want to be, be a Christ follower. I want to be your child. And when you do that, Jesus comes into your life. He wipes away your sins and makes, makes things clean. He gives you a new start. But maybe there's somebody in here today, maybe some of you, that you've never done that. You've never asked Jesus to come into your life. And I just want to give you that opportunity right now. If you're here today and you'd say, you know what? I, I need Jesus in my life. I'm far away from God right now. I'm not where I should be. And I just want Jesus in my life today. I need him to be there. If that's you, I just want to pray with you today. And I just ask you to just raise your hand and just put it right back down just to let me know that you want Jesus in your life today. Okay. Anyone else? Lord God, I thank you so much for that gift that you've given us, Lord, and I thank you, God, for, for the one here today who said, I want Jesus in my life today. Lord, I just pray that you would come down to, into that person's life, Lord, right now, and that you would, you would just show, show that person that you are God, that you are Jesus, that you are the one who has come to save them of their sins and that you want to be with them all the time. You want a personal relationship with them. So come into that person's life right now. Lord, and we all just dedicate ourselves again to you today and say, we thank you for that gift you've given us and we need you in our lives, God. 
we, we don't want to go into 2020 just relying on ourselves and saying, oh, we can do it on our own. No, we all go into this year just saying, God, we need you. We don't know everything that lies ahead, but we know that you're with us, and we thank you for that today. And we just bless you and honor you for that. In your name we pray, amen. Amen. Well, one of the things that the Bible tells us is important is passing on what we know and believe about God to others. And there's a tradition that many have observed over the centuries that vividly portrays the handing down of that message. In John 8, 22, Jesus said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. God has given us the gift of his son, Jesus, and Jesus is the light of the world. So when we choose to follow Jesus, we also become the light of the world. It says in Matthew 5, 14 to 16, you are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. I'm going to light a candle right now. And as the lights are coming down, this candle represents a person who has made the decision to follow Jesus as Lord. The verses we just read say that Jesus, that just like Jesus is the light of the world, those who follow him become the light of the world. I'm going to get a basket right now. You know, it's said in that verse that we don't, want to be like someone who hides our light under a basket, right? Can we bring even the stage lights down right now? So this light is like us. And we're, when we're in the world, we are a light to it. But if we decide to hide our light and not share it with anybody just to keep it to ourselves, it's like putting this basket over it. We're hiding our light so that no one else can see it. But that's not the way it's supposed to be, is it? No. We're supposed to share our light and spread our light with others. So what I'm going to do right now is I'm going to symbolically share my light with others. And basically the tradition for this ceremony is, is that when we sp spread the light on, we hold our life straight up. We hold our light straight up because this represents the solidity of having Jesus in our life. And then those we pass it on to bend their light to our light. And it does two things. One is we don't get wax all over the place. And number two is it symbolizes that we have to take an action to receive that light. We have to say, Jesus, I want you into my life. So I'm going to pass this on to two people right now, and then they are going to begin to pass it to you. And I just encourage you to pass it on to the person next to you. And if there are children that some of you, I think, have glow sticks, as soon as your parents light their light, you can activate those glow sticks. If your child has a candle, just make sure you are attending to that and making sure that they're very careful.
sing that now. started from a single candle. God gave us the greatest gift by sending his son Jesus to the earth to die for us. And when we share the light, the love of Jesus with others, we are also giving them the greatest gift that we can give them. I encourage you even this week to look for opportunities to share your faith with others. Some of you may be meeting with family this week and friends and and there will be opportunities in there to talk about Jesus, to talk about your faith. Some of you just maybe going about in your da daily things may see those opportunities to talk to someone about Jesus. The Christmas season naturally opens up opportunities for that, doesn't it? So I just encourage you to don't hide your light under a basket. Be, be like Jesus. Be the light of the world. And give that gift to everyone you come in contact with. Our big idea today that's on the screen right now is this it's God gave us the greatest gift his son pass it on God gave us the greatest gift his son pass it on that's what I want you to remember the one thing I want you to remember as you go out here today just thank God this week so much for that great gift that he's given you and look for opportunities to pass it on to others we're going to all blow out our candles together right now. And there are boxes on the way out that you can put those in, but we're going to do one final thing. 
We are going to do something special for our children that are here today and for our youth. Um, so I'm going to ask those people that are handing the gifts out right now to come up. And all the children are going to come up to our children's director and Jamie, Mary, our children's director, Mary, and Jamie over here. And they are going to pass out gifts to you kids. And all our youth are going to come to our youth pastor, Elijah, over here. And he's going to pass out gifts to you. And once they do that, you can be dismissed. And just remember, there's boxes at the doors for your camels, candles. So great to have you here today. Awesome for you to be with us. And I wish you all a super Merry Christmas. I'm excited to be here as your pastor. God bless you.